Guys, welcome to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I'm Aaron Arnold. I'm Austin Arnold. Today we got a special guest with us today, actor and comedian Griff Pippen. Hi, how you doing? Good to. It's great to find. Great to meet you finally. Thanks for thanks for being here, Matt. But I love your name, by the way, yeah. man. No, I was talking to the people watching. It was great oh, to meet them. Yeah, I'm so sorry. We'll, yeah. we'll let you guys be alone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank cool. you. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> What's going on, dude? How you been? Been busy, man. Good. Uh, a lot of a lot of gigs coming up. Little road gigs and. Stand up here and there, and uh, oh, you're a stand up, yeah. For the folks at home, you know, yeah. maybe haven't seen you, I know it's rare, but if yeah. they haven't, how would the fans at home give know us you? your closer? No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually funny because it's extremely physical, <laughs> but he's a comedian, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you perform at the comedy store, uh, yeah, a lot of it, places locally here in LA. I got a show at the improv every month, the Hollywood improv. Sweet, some people hear improv, they think improv, you know, hey, and I'm like, fun. no, no, I'm actually funny. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> uh, improv comedy store, Laugh Factory, Ice House, just you know, random shows all over town. Nice, you know, random venues and stuff. San Diego, San Francisco, uh, you know, all over the place. Just all over the place. So, yeah, so the people place. have probably definitely seen you somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. One of twenty-two countries you might have seen me. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Nice man. So I actually kind of want to start from the beginning. Um, we already kind of know each other through other circumstances or whatever you want to call. It. We met years ago on some weird, you know, set. I don't know what you want to call it. Some Very comedy weird. set. I don't so know was, okay, I'm doing stand up at an open mic, and this weird dude's like, "You're funny, man. I want to, I want to shoot some stuff with you." I'm like, "I'm new to L.A." I'm like, yeah. "Cool, dude." You just you got know? discovered. Yeah, yeah, like this. Hey, this could lead to something. Why not? Yeah. So he's like, cool, I'm going to organize this project. We're going to shoot a, we're going to write a script, and we're going to shoot this thing. It's going to be, man, it's going to do, we're good, man. Like, you're talented, I'm talented. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, yeah, he's pumping me up. Little did I know yeah. that I was dealing with <laughs> Satan. So <laughs> he, he, uh, he organizes everything, gets us together, and it's the most disorganized shoot that I've ever been a part of. It's like a it sketch. Takes, it's it, it's supposed to be like a sketch, right? It's supposed right? to be Some, a sketch, yeah. maybe a short. Nobody knows. Neither right. did he. Uh, and it's just so disorganized. Nobody knows what's going on. It's offensive. It's it's just not good, and it's a mess. And everyone's like, "Well, you know, we had to get all these SAG actors in there." So we're like, "Well, you can get Taft Hartley out of this," meaning like you could be SAG eligible. And we never ended up editing or doing anything with it. And he sent this just pile of dog shit in to, <laughs> to uh, SAG, and I ended up getting uh, you know something out of it. And and we built a friendship. We're here, part of this massive you Dude, know if it wasn't for that you wouldn't be on this podcast man. yeah Look yeah exactly See, it, come, yeah came back full circle man yeah and then and you know and he went on and, and then of course johnny went on to do some huge acting roles on uh you know but it's not on about blues, me, dude. Blues Clues and Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that dog i'm he telling you man number three <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but yeah, it's crazy how that happened, and now we're here. And uh, dude, that's it's awesome to see you, man. But yeah. are, are you from LA? Or Oklahoma. No? I've heard of it. Yeah, you do. Okay. that's that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that journey, man. Uh, coming from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, like just that. Just how long the, have you been here, first of all? Eight years. Okay. Yeah, Ooh. eight years. So how'd you do it, man? You just backpacked and threw your stuff in the car, drove out here, or yeah, what was the deal? I was running a business to pay my way through college and um it was a business 
It was basically like uh, pedicabs, you know, pe- you know, the pedicab, like the, the tricycle thing, right. selling mm-hmm. ads on the side of it and doing transportation, private Big in events. China, big in China. Big in China and Bangladesh and yeah. San Diego <laughs> and, and, and big in my college career. So I was doing that and uh, I had a business partner that I was working with that basically stole a bunch of money and I, I was just, I was distraught. I was like, what, what? And the business kind of started to go under, and I was like, well, what now? This was my game plan. And I, my game plan wasn't to, like, you know, ride tricycles around the rest of my life. But this was a small business that I was going to grow into something else, take that capital. And yeah. I had I was going to be an entrepreneur. That was I had my future mapped out. I was happy. And then this happened, and I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, that, that, was, that was the plan. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to do. That's how life is. Life throws you curveballs. I don't know. I just started kind of drinking more, and I was in college, and I was like, I don't know what to do, man. And then one of my friends was like, dude, I went to visit him in Austin. And he said, dude, you're funny, man. There's a there's a comedy open mic. Why don't you do it? I was like, no. Dude, you got to be really funny. No, I'm not doing that. He's like, come on, man. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Come on, man. No, dude, that's end of story, okay? He's like, all right. We go around the corner. We go to uh, Coyote Ugly Bar, and, and he starts, he's like, hey, you know what? I was being a dick. I'm sorry. Starts buying me shots of Jaeger. I didn't know what he was doing at the time. Keeps buying me shots. Keeps buying me shots. He's like, hey, maybe we should think, rethink about that open. I'm like, yeah, you know, we should. We should do the open mic, dude. Did it, bombed. Well, did you have any material written? No, I, on a napkin, I just like retirement home jokes. Like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I don't even know where they came from. And then I did another one two days later, and I was like, I was hooked. And then <clears throat> came back to Oklahoma. There's nowhere to perform. And there was a music open mic every Wednesday, and it was once a month. And I remember going those first few months; it was bad. I got booed. They're not there to see comedy. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is all I got. I got to figure out how to make these music people like me." And so finally, one time, I started doing crowd work and in the moment riffing. Had a great set, and a band was there. I said, "Hey, dude, that was awesome. Do you want to come open for us? Be the hype and man. tour." Wow. And I was like, "Yeah." I, I, my business future's gone. I'm about to end college. I got nothing else. That's yeah. all I got, man. Let's do this. So I drove around and toured in a van with four of the band members, and I would open for them, and they'd play, and then sometimes vice versa. And then sometimes I would open, they would play, and then they would bring me on stage, and I would sing, and we'd create this super group, and I would just sing blues, and they would just jam out and play with me and crack up, and the audience was like, what is this? I was like, I didn't know, but it was... So I did that, and then I got back, and we did a second tour, and it was like, well, what next? Who was the band? Why don't you give them a shout-out? They, they were called Reverse Halo Effect, and then okay. they changed the name to Stupid Cousin. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're around anymore. <laughs> um, but anyway, I got back home, and it was in Oklahoma. Like, well, What's the comedy scene like in Oklahoma? There isn't. It's awful. It's, it's okay. It's like two fat nerds that hated me. <laughs> but one club? Yeah, it, it was it was one club, and, and that club didn't like me either. Um, so if you play that club, you're like, you've made it. Yeah. That's basically the, it. And you get to host and get paid <laughs> yeah. like 100 bucks a week. And you might be on the morning show. <laughs> you <laughs> might be on the morning. You pay. To yeah, <laughs> you pay. You pay to play. Um, <laughs> so I remember thinking like, well, what, what next? You know, those tours are gone. There's really not much here. Uh, I don't know. And by the way, I didn't mean to like when I said fat nerds. I have nothing against. I love fat. <laughs> I have a lot of fat friends. I just meant, I just think of these specific but guys hate that I hated. Nerds. No, I am. A, <laughs> I am a nerd. So um, I just remember thinking. Um, what type of people do you hate? Uh, Here we go. Uh-oh. People from Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> seriously, so I moved. Self-loathing. Yeah. So I just remember thinking, what do I? What do I do now? And I thought, let's. You know, I remember thinking, I really want to be. I don't necessarily want to be famous. I don't care about that. I just remember thinking, I love, I love stand up. 
I want to get great at this. And the only mm. way to get great at something, whether it's a sport or whatever, is to immerse yourself. Yeah. It's New York or LA or London. Keep doing it, right? And so I tried to think about London. I thought, may I'll stand out there as an American, but it's yeah. impossible to get a work visa. So I was like, it's LA or New York. A buddy of mine said he had a connection at the comedy store. Sweet, I got a job. That's the best club there is. Yeah, I, and I, I packed everything, and then I got here, and the guy was like, no, I don't have a job. It's like, cool. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I okay, I don't have a job. So I was like, I'm 400 bucks my name. I had to find a place to live. Went on Craigslist, found this guy, and uh, found that, yeah. And, and the deal was I would take his room, and he'd take his living room, and I'd pay for part of his rent. And uh, You got the room. Yeah, and, and uh-huh. I moved in. First day I moved in, and he, I realized uh, he started hitting on me. And yeah, right. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, I was letting him know, like, hey, I'm not gay, but I don't care if you are. And he started hitting on me, and then I could tell right off the bat he was like upset that I wasn't into it. And I was like, whatever. You that found was, him that was the arrangement. Dude, yeah, that was the. Yeah. And so after a couple of weeks, there was a lot of tension. He Sexual just tension. threw my, yeah, <laughs> he threw all my stuff out, and then I was homeless. Oh, shit. And then I, that week, I had gotten a job at an Indian restaurant because I. I lied on my resume. I said it worked at three Indian restaurants in Oklahoma. I heard this. Um, understand there, there aren't even three Indians in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> and I got fired because the guy realized, like, you don't know what you're doing. So fired and then homeless, just quick. L.A. grabbed me by the balls and said, uh, you, sir, are not in Oklahoma anymore. And I remember crying in a Kinko's parking lot while printing a resume. And, Loser. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is... So that was like me moving and coming out here. That was my yeah. experience at least. Did you? Okay, so when you were in Oklahoma and you were like trying to... Deciding to make this move, was there some comedians that inspired you to be like, all right, I well, didn't, these are the guys I'm going to follow or you know what I mean? You remind me of one comedian. Yeah, oh, yeah? I, well, obviously, we, can all, we all know who it is. We all, um, you I, and me know. I did have a question of this guy's his arch nemesis. All right. Um, well, you can say it. Andrew Santino. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, like even my dad's made a picture. He's like, "Is that you?" <laughs> no, no, we've worked together before. Andrew's cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, he's definitely got a much like angrier Chicago demeanor than I do, but physically, yeah. Um, yeah what was I gonna say? Um, what were you? Well, inspiration. Your influence. You know, if you had to move out here. Well, I guess comedian. You know, that you know, I've had that question a million times, and I, this is gonna sound odd. And narcissistic, but I guess what inspires me more than anything in comedy is it goes beyond just being a stand-up. What is a stand-up? Stand-up's not just when you tell jokes. You're a stand-up just like an actor. Yeah. Anybody else, you're an artist, right? Uh, the bigger picture is you're an artist, not just a stand-up. You're not just an actor. You're an artist. If you're a writer, you're not just a writer. You're an artist. And I like to think, you know, like Lenny Bruce back in the day was inspired by jazz musicians when he was shooting up heroin. Really? A lot of his comedy was inspired by just the cool, hip scene of jazz. And I, I get inspired by a lot of stuff that's not comedy-related, but I just think yeah. of myself, you know. And so, I, to me, uh, I don't think there's any one comedian that inspires me. What inspires me is to try to be as original as I can be, to be someone that inspires other people. Right. That's kind of what inspires me. I can't think of one comedian that I'm like, this guy is, I want to be like him or that, but, you know. But, like, growing up, like, there's certain stand-up albums that I've, like, watched or listened to uh, several times. Did you have, like, a comedian? Robin Williams... Was definitely with my dad. I'd watch HBO special. HBO was the pinnacle, right? Uh, Chris Rock and Robin Williams were guys that I thought like just their booming energy. That I thought I liked their energy up there. I liked the demeanor of Robin Williams. Bring as the a pain. Kid. Bring the pain. One of the best. 
yeah Chris Rock album oh my god bigger and blacker you know mm-hmm. I mean there were there were just some some you know just home runs some of these guys yeah. hit in the 90s you're like what did I just watch um but yeah I, I maybe as a kid say Robin Williams heard nice. of him yeah rest yeah. in yeah. peace yeah there you go good guy nice yeah and so then eventually you decided to come here and then like it sounds like everything just kind of went to hell and you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, so, I'm here, so yeah. And you're still <laughs> obviously but, you know, didn't made a lot of poor choices. <laughs> hey, uh, we've all have. But the thing is, like, so you went, you hit rock bottom. It sounded like at, at that Kinko's, point yeah. at Kinkos, rock bottom, and at Kinkos, I cried. Did at least throw in a free resume or something? Nothing. The guy was have. like, "Dude, here, please. Like, just, you need this. You got to go, buddy." Here's a free book by Zig Ziglar. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna need it. You're gonna need the seven habits of highly successful people. Here, yeah. take this. But so, uh, you told us that you were just reading a book that you yes. really liked. Yes, the, the War of Art. And I'd had it's one of those books where you just hear over the years circulating through conversation. You've, when you're like, I've heard twenty people say this book's incredible. All right, it's time to just get it on Amazon and read it. It's one of those books, the artist way. It's not the art of war. It's the war of art. Yeah, didn't I, didn't I say the war of art? You, you did. did. Yeah. I just think a okay. Lot of yeah, think not by Sun Tzu. No. <laughs> oh man. No. Got no. the wrong copy. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Jesus, this book's intense, man. It's about <laughs> killing people and strategy. <laughs> when to run? When to know when to run away from the Mongolians? Jesus. Makes I sense in L.A., man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this book that you're reading, it's good for artists to read? Yeah, well, I think for anyone, for that matter, honestly. Um, it's mainly for artists, but... I haven't know, read it. I haven't read it. First chapter is awesome. He's talking about uh, there's something great artists know that amateur artists don't know. And the hardest part about writing is not writing itself. It's sitting down to actually start writing. Mm-hmm. And how many people does that apply to? Actors, comedians, you know, whether it be Everybody. applying to an agency, sitting down writing a joke, or starting your business idea, or creating your website. I don't care who you are. I'll do it next it's, week. I'll do it next yeah, week. Yeah, procrastination. Yeah. And, and like, who's holding you back? Uh, I don't always agree with public speakers and motivational when they say, dude, you're the only one, you know, that you can be anything yeah. you want. Not, no, not mirror. true. It's I'm sorry. True. If your IQ's teetering yeah. on 84, you're probably not going to be a millionaire. <laughs> just throwing that out there. But, uh, Unless you're hot. Yeah. Let, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then your agent's going to take a bigger cut. Um, the point is, is like, if, you know, if you're just, if you're an average person, I think you, I don't, I don't agree that they're really, everyone's just so average. I think there is an awesome talent inside of a lot of people that they don't tap into and we procrastinate and we hold ourselves back and this book talks about that a little bit i think like every i think anybody in here could probably tap into some incredible talent but can you put in the work to tap into that i can't no, yeah can't that's fair it. and I'm that's fair just being honest yeah i mean most people from arizona don't tend to tap in i gotta go know. guys uh <laughs> thanks for joining us hey, great to have you man no, actually, one of your talents, dude, that I really, really like is the accents, dude. Oh, yeah. Dude, really? you have, like, so many... Uh, you can do so many accents, man. Like, it's like, what, what, really what, convincingly. Just what, throw one at him. Jamaican. See, people get upset when I do, like... <laughs> Cultural appropriation. Don't fun. tell me that, man. No, I got from Kingston. <laughs> I've been to Kingston, man. The great people there. We're going to the Olympics this year, man. I don't know if that was what good. Any Jamaicans, cool listening, any Jamaicans listening, I apologize if that was garbage. Um, can you do some Ebonics? Like, <laughs> like in, in Jamaica, they speak what's called Patois, which is uh, just a, a dialect of English. And mm. I, I don't think any of us would understand it. Like, mm. Drake is apparently fluent in it. And so it was like DJ Khaled. Rihanna. Uh, Rihanna, Rihanna, yeah. She's from the yeah, islands, right? Yeah, she speaks a yeah. form of... Uh, I don't know what they call it, pigeon English or whatever, but yeah, she does speak a form of uh, like you know Barbados. They have their own. Mm. And where's Nicki Minaj from? 
Barbados or Trinidad? Uh, Trinidad. She's from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, I had no idea. We all think she's from New York, but I think I she, was she was born in Trinidad, so she couldn't run for president. Can you do, uh, can you do too a, bad. A, a black guy doing a white guy impression? Let's do Tiger Woods. Can you do Tiger Woods? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, when Tiger Woods does get interviews, he is, you can tell he's a nerd. That's why when people are like, dude, totally. how did he go after all those women? I'm like, do you grow up this like nerdy kid that got straight A's and then he got all these chicks thrown at him? Like, Absolutely. He's like, I got to play catch up. Yeah. Well, I heard the story that he had to ask Michael Jordan. It's like, hey, man, how do you get women? And Michael Jordan's yeah. like, yeah. tell them that you're Tiger Woods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard that story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So That's he didn't funny. even know after he made it. Tell them you're Tiger Woods. Yeah, and and now I think he's grown up a lot. I, right. I, I watch him in interviews, and I think he's really like turned into a decent guy now. Like his so, priority yeah. is his kids. It's not about him anymore. It's yeah. his whole life has been about him, and I think just life just beat him down physically and mentally to like it's not about you anymore. Okay. Well, everyone pretty much had him for dead. You know what I mean? But like he came back. And oh, he dude, won, dude, that's so sick. I thought that's a really cool story, man. My awesome. favorite. I've been a golfer my whole life. My favorite thing is watching Tiger sitting in this room watching an iPad and it is ESPN after this. anchor after sports analysts going he's done he's done yeah. give it up you're retired you're a loser you're done one and he's just sitting here quietly watching and smiling and grinning and this is before he'd really made a full comeback mm. so this was like the world yeah. telling him no yeah. and then i don't know 6 6 months after he wins People are. This wasn't as surprising for him to win the Masters because he'd won a huge tournament last year and almost won the British Open. Yeah, yeah. I like he, that. he's he was he's in the mix. Like, I mean, he's just so good, dude. It's like you can't yeah. pass yeah. his prime. Screwed up back. Forty three. Kids yeah. are priority. Still better than everyone. Yeah. That's how much better he is. That's how it is, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. How did how did the accents come about? Is this something you practice, or did you just naturally have that ability? When or? I was a little kid, sometimes my grandma would get sad. My mom would like have me stay there, and, and I didn't know what to do, so I would just do these weird little voices and it would cheer my grandma up. So I started doing those more and more. And then, more? Yeah, oh, well, it? I just said yeah. Jamaican, but is that what you meant? No, like, you could yeah, throw accents at them. Oh, I, I, I mean, I've heard you do a lot of them, so you, and I, all, <laughs> I thought all of them were like really convincing. What have you heard? Uh, Australian? Yeah, so <clears throat> I uh, funny story, I used to go to bars in Oklahoma and do this accent, right? Because I have mates uh, from like Sydney and Melbourne go out to the bars, pick up women just because fucking ugly guys, right? <laughs> I went to a bar one night and I started talking to a girl like this, right? She goes, oh my God, dude. She's like, oh, your accent is so hot. Like, where are you from? I'm, like, oh, I'm from Australia. I'm only here for like a week and I was wondering, you know, anything to do. And she's like, starts talking to me for, you know, 30 minutes and everything. <clears throat> I was like, so I'm trying to fit in here, right? I want people to like me. So I'm actually working on my American accent. Uh, would you like to hear it? She's like, yeah. I was like, <clears throat> Uh, so this is my American accent. Been working on it for a while now. Okay. Uh, a lot of a lot of practice. Actually, I had a voice coach. What do you what do you think? And she goes, mm, needs a lot of work. It's not very <laughs> believable. I'm like, what the fuck? Good happened? egg. Good egg. What? <laughs> True story. Uh, that's hilarious. True dude. story. It, and it, it tells you like how people will believe an accent. Mm. Like like yeah. uh, literally how they will or won't. I went into my normal American accent. Yeah, and still. And just because the way I presented it as I'm trying to sound American, right. she didn't, didn't believe it. it. So, right? And so the reverse effect, it's interesting. When you do accents, sometimes people will be like, that's not very good. I'm like, yeah, it is. I've had Irish people tell me it's a good yeah. Irish accent. <laughs> yeah. But it's just people trigger in their head or do or don't think. It's It was really weird because this girl literally said my American accent wasn't good. And yeah. I was like, 
It's really interesting. <laughs> really fascinating. I think part of it's the commitment too, though, right? Did you tell, did you tell her the truth? or uh, we went. It went on for a while until my buddy Nathan was like, what's going on over here? I was like, yeah. One night, I was playing Irish at a bar here, and it was just fun and games and anything. And anyway... Um, Would you just show up at the bar and you're like, I'm gonna be Irish today? Yeah, All right, I've cool. done that many times. Love it, dude. Let's and started started doing it. And, uh, and after talking to this girl for like four hours, anyway, she was like, she's like, let's go back to my place. And I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm. By the way, I, this is, I'm just having fun with some buddies. I'm not actually. She's like, I don't even care. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I can't. I oh can't. wow. But she said yes still. Yeah, I think she was just interested in me. It, but the accent was oh. nice layer, and then I was like, oh, okay. A little protection. Interested what go. was on the. Internet. Inside. We want to hear the Irish accent, by the way. Right, if you ever been to Ireland, it's wonderful. You've you've got to fucking go to Ireland at some point before you die. The people are wonderful. The very, they're not very warm people, but they've got a great sense of humour. And by the way, this is just an Irish woman, by the way. <laughs> I thought it was Chris O'Dowd in Bruges. <laughs> I saw him at the Improv the other day. Uh, I think he's probably trying to get into stand up. Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, mm. he'd, he'd probably kill it. Yeah, yeah that's I, pretty I cool. See. I yeah, think you'd kill it how Michael Rapaport seems to be going to do stand-up now. He's yeah, good. just get it. Or, or Jeremy Piven, you know? Is he? Well, is, I thought yeah, Piven's, Piven's been touring. Yeah. Piven's been the touring extras. for a while. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I thought he had the whole, like, not the scandal, extras. but, like, the whole thing. He had that show Wisdom of the Crowd, and then some, the Me Too some shit came out, and, you know, I don't know. Yep. Who's yeah. next to get Me Too'd? We, talk, we hear about it all the time saying, oh, everybody knew. So many guys were just dodged bullets. So many guys, you know, so many guys were sweating and had good lawyers or... Blah blah blah. Um, our president is the next me too. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you, know, you can say the same thing about him, like you just said about Tiger Woods. How everybody said he couldn't do it, but then he became president. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. And despite all this, Tiger didn't get me too. He's like, I, it was all legit. I was just, <laughs> yeah, just a bad husband. There was well, like, no exactly. But, but also, just five years earlier, before the Me Too thing, David Letterman comes on his show right. and does a ten-minute monologue saying sometimes he has sex with the extras. And the he, interns. Interns. The interns, the, interns, yeah, the yeah. interns, and uh, and you know, right, and nobody cared that much because it was five years early before the whatever, yeah. and he came out and admitted it. Right. People's brains are the mass masses are controlled by like what's hot and what's going on. One thing that it upsets me is why everyone cared about Notre Dame. Like you didn't give a shit about Notre Dame two weeks ago. Why do you all care? Like if this was a church in Africa, you wouldn't give a shit. You know why, dude? Disney movie. The movie, yeah. The Hunchback. Something. I think, I'm, I think about part it being of it. on I think fire. that's part of it. I think that's part of it. My favorite meme was when, when, the, when the, the Paris police come knocking on your door and you got to burn your child pornography. <laughs> 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 that was my favorite. Yeah, I was like, why do people... Like people just collectively, and then it just gets this momentum, and everyone's yeah. like, everyone's got to put their post. But it's really, it's really about like when they post about Notre Dame, it's really about me. Yeah. It's about it's I like need to show you. off. It's, it's a show prayers. off. Like, oh yeah. look, I went to Europe and called. Like, no, no yeah. one who cares. No right. one cares that you care about Notre Dame. Right. If you worked there in an internship for a summer, <laughs> if you were an altar boy, <laughs> yeah. but I and said you're like, I remember getting molested in there yeah. like it was yesterday. Yeah. You know, like, like good for you. <laughs> but I said thoughts and prayers. Yeah, yeah. Do you talk about that special? (laughs) I love that. Oh my God, I love that. I love Shakespeare. No, Shakespeare's the best. No, some 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 finish lines aren't. Some lines aren't meant to be crossed. That, no, that that's a great joke, right? Anthony Jeselnik's amazing. Yeah, you know when he he addresses that. That joke will be funny forever. And you know what? Let me ask you this, because if you're not Anthony Jeselnik yet, like anybody out there, especially our viewers out there that are actors and comedians up and coming, it seems 
just like the 80s, and this is just what I hear on podcasts, that comedy is booming right now, and there's a saturation. So if you're like... There's an audience, huge audience. Yeah, huge audience. So if you're not getting those spots at the improv or at the comedy store, like what do you do as a comedian to make your own work, I'm assuming, like to... What, what are you? You're asking if you're not getting booked. Yeah, exactly. And you, there's, and there's only, something wrong with you. I think if you're up and coming, you're trying, <laughs> if you're you're trying com- to figure if you're up and coming, out what you're to up do. And coming. If you're not the, uh, the joke. Because I, I have friends that like have their own little backyard comedy stand up, and they're always trying to like get people there and stuff like that. So I and I don't know. I'm not a stand up. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you try to build a following. I have a couple buddies who are like Instagram stars now, and now they're really. Uh, you know, they took control of their career and now they're, you know, they're filling out clubs. Um, my buddy Trevor Wallace, for instance, uh, he's really funny YouTube video. He makes funny videos and then now all the clubs want to mess with him. Um, Trevor Noah. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan at all. Not a fan at all. I hate that guy. Oh, yeah. I'll say it on air. Did, did you like John guy Stewart? steals jokes. Oh, does he? Yeah. Um, John Stewart was great. Wait, I like John Stewart. Is that documented? Than... Yes. Oh, really? Yes. This guy named David Cow in South Africa made a show as an ode to him called I Did These Jokes First. He's mm. ripped every comic off, every comic off in mm. South Africa, even, you know, and, and you know, other big comedians who I, I won't say names, you know, for private reasons that he's taken jokes from. Um, and it's like you, you built your empire off the backs of other people's hard works. I'm sorry, but I, other hard work, I, I can't respect that and never yeah. will. Same with Amy Schumer. I, mm. I just can't respect. That's the one golden rule. Yeah, I remember yeah, when go, that came out too. Go be a hack. I don't care, but don't don't steal other people's work. You know, there's right. no artistic infringement in stand up. You can't copyright jokes. Somebody else worked their ass off to create this brilliant joke, and you can just snag it from them and make money off that. That's why the whole thing with the, the internet guys, the fat you and fuck Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Same thing, yeah. man. It's like, screw these guys. Don't support them. And right. yet you said your favorite comedian was Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> now, Robin, I, I do... There's he's paid a lot of comedy. Yeah, there, yeah. And one time at the comedy store, he went up to a guy. He was a little different, but he went up to a guy and said, hey, that joke you just said, I like it. Um, here's a $50 check. I'm doing it now. It's my joke. And the guy knocked him out in front of everyone. Uh, but he used to go up write checks to dudes, you know, so... There was some type of decency to. I mean, it's still crappy. He, he did still it. jokes, but yeah. at least he'd be like, instead of just taking someone else's joke, and he'd be like, "Listen, I, I'm going. To, I'm going to take that joke from you, but I'm going to pay you." So <laughs> yes. there, there was at least there was at least some that. kind of compensation. There's some something? compensation. Yeah, yeah, some bigger comedian said, "Hey, man, I love your closer right now. Here's two grand. You know, not my closer, but it's something I wrote. I would I would be more than happy because here's why. Because I'm like. Somebody just paid me for my brain. Like that that would honestly feel pretty great. I'm like, oh well, I can I can go write more jokes. I'd feel pretty good about that. Um and that's not joke stealing, but you know, if somebody says, by the way, this joke's mine, here's a check, you don't even have a choice. That's kind of crappy, but you know, and you can renegotiate, say, hey, three thousand. Can we hear the closer that you sold since you don't use it anymore? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. So Robin Williams, you know, there was always a little bit of a it's kinda like an athlete, your favorite athlete finally did steroids, you know. It's Which, like he was still a great hasn't. athlete, yeah. but but he still hit all those home runs, but you know, he did it with a little bit of help. So um you know, Robin was just it, Robin was those guys that you hear stories about he just riff for an hour. Yeah. And still be the greatest comedian in the lineup. Like, he didn't even need to get other jokes. And he could still. And I've heard that about Trevor Noah. Like, why would the guy steal jokes when, like, he's just so comedically brilliant? And I'm like, I don't know. But it's just when you come from South Africa and you're poor and you want to get ahead, you know, it's it's much different. Like, Nipsey Hussle talked about in an interview. He's like, 
people don't understand like crime coming out of the hood. Like it's not about trying to be a bad person or forgetting about your morals. It's about survival, man. You commit a crime cause you're just trying to survive. And I said, yeah, totally. Um, so it's the same thing with Trevor Noah. You're probably trying to get ahead. You're not trying, you don't want to steal jokes and you're trying to get out of, you know, a crappy situation and you want to move to America. So you do whatever you can. I get it. So I get it. You refuse to do the daily show until Trevor Noah Rights his wrongs. Um, I would probably even address it on the show. That would be really cool. That's only going call to, that a yeah. stupid move or it's going to the web. It's not going the, viral, not on That's, air. Yeah, yeah it's you going know, I think I would address it in a, in, a, in a polite way, saying I like you, Trevor, and I want to address something and I want to hear what you have to say about it. You know, there's been I know a lot of comedians accused you of this, and it's almost like throwing someone out, like hey, like a Me Too movement kind of thing like hey you did this thing in the past do you, do you have something to say for yourself because that's 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 a big deal to me that's the one cardinal role in stand-up yeah. yeah. do it you know what i mean go up there and do just about anything else you know tell crappy sexist jokes whatever it is hacky, hacky jokes are better than stealing jokes <sighs> not far off they're better <laughs> they're be they're a little bit better but yeah. hacky is like teetering on on like just like wow that's not original you know so so far what i'm getting from this interview is that if there's somebody sitting in oklahoma right now feeling really lonely and homely the way to get into comedy is to steal jokes <laughs> that's, that's and, and, one to find them on the internet it works yeah. for yeah. trevor noah so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously though, if somebody was listening, we have somebody checking out that wants to be a comedian. I know Trevor Noah. And they're that. like literally in, I don't know, Oklahoma or somewhere that comedy isn't necessarily a big thing. What, what would you recommend that they do? Like, how do they get going? Yeah, it's tougher in these smaller markets, but a lot of comedians come out of these. Even, you know, a guy, um, Nate Bargatze, who's a really funny man. He's well known around the circuit around the country. He just came out of the Netflix special. It's really good. It was on the homepage of my Netflix. Mm. And uh, I think he lives in Nashville, mm. which I didn't even like. I thought, you know, if you were going to be like Netflix special, like, you had to live in New York or LA, but I yeah. think he lives in Nashville. So um, if you're in one of these smaller markets, uh, almost everywhere has a scene now. Start how small we st how, how small we talking? Like we talking about like Sioux Falls, Idaho. Where you grew up? Where you? Grew yeah, up? where you grew up? Yeah, Oklahoma City. There's the Looney Bin Comedy Club, and there's uh, there's mics around the scene, and just hit those mics as much as you can until you you're like, okay, I'm. What about stage fright though? St um, you, you have to start somewhere. You got to just get out there and the do war it. War of art. Yeah, you got to just yeah. you got to get out there and it's same thing exactly, very applicable. Um, you just got to get out there and. And do it. I guess I never really had stage fright. If I'm as an introvert, if you're an introvert, it's probably a more daunting thought to start that process. To me, it was yeah. just like I've been doing this shit in front of my friends, being an idiot for years. <laughs> I'll just go do it in front of strangers now. Yeah. But yeah. for some people, it's scary. But that's the same thing for anything. You know, it's like right. you you just just start it. Does the the war of art? You know, talks about just just stop procrastinating, do it. And and this artist was he was talking about being a writer, and he was like, you know what? My normal work day is this. I show up to work at 10. I write for four hours. And then I'm out by three or I'm, I'm, I'm out by like two or something. I'm out of there. And it doesn't even matter if they were the, the art. It doesn't even matter if the writing was good. Um, it just matters that I did it. I got in there and I did it. I overcame that procrastination and, and that fear and, you know, fighting creativity. And that explains how Adam Sandler 
gets his movies made. Just, I don't care if it's good. I did it. <laughs> three. I heard it compared. I mean, same thing. You know. I heard it like a good analogy is like, oh, you're you're running a shop, like a general store. It's like some days you're gonna open that shop and nobody's coming in. Yeah. You have no idea. Some days you open that shop and you got everybody coming in. But you can't have those days that everybody comes in if you're not open on those days that nobody's coming in. Yeah, and, and you know what I mean. It's like it, you're just gonna. You might have. And for me, sometimes I'll write material. I'll write like ten different bits, and nine of them will suck. And then ten one is it's 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 a numbers game. It's just you you know. What do you write about? Um. Well, like just stuff that's going on in my life right now. Like my I, I don't have enough. I keep getting the legal issues, and I don't have money for an attorney. So my dad's an attorney. So he's like my lawyer now, <laughs> and he's this southern guy, and he gives the worst legal advice. And I and I just do his accent. He's like, "Well, you don't sign it. It's a bunch of bullshit." Well, it says I have to. Well, then fucking sign it. You know. <laughs> okay. You know. I'm like he gives the worst legal advice. He's like, "Well, we're just gonna end up suing him over there at the." I got screwed by a car dealership recently, you know, and, and he was like, this is, uh, we're going to put them on social media blast. That's what we're going to do. And I was like, where? He's like, I'll, I'll put them on my Facebook account. And like, oh, you, right. you know, you have 10 friends. Well, they're going to know about it. <laughs> you understand how word of mouth works, right? And I'm like, uh, okay. Dude. Dude, what's your process for writing material? Is that just picking from... I bet it'll change after reading this book, but um, yeah. <clears throat> everybody's different. Some comedians do what's called writing with a microphone, which is pretty common now, which... You just get a bit and you work it out on stage to, you know, you show after show. It. And then you record it and go back and cut the fat or change things up. Or some guys just sit down and write. More introverted joke writer types might do that. Um, and I'm a little bit of both. But uh, off an idea, I'll just kind of, in my head, kind of flesh out what premise is, what points I want to hit, and kind of try to cut the fat as much and then get it out. And, and on stage, there'll be certain areas that'll hit hard, and I'll, ah, oh, okay, and I'll just kind of dive into that next time more. But I was watching Sebastian Maniscalco do a new bit the other day, brand new, after He's going so to the, right now. after the biggest comedian, and after he'd gone to the Oscars, and his experience at the Oscars, it was so new, and it was just so polished. It was mm. just brilliant. There's a guy who's just mastered this art form. Yeah. At the store? Oh, it's at the store. I mean, this guy was just brand new. Usually newer jokes are kind of like, okay, they're working it out. It's, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bored. Right? I might want to get my phone out because I'm bored. But this guy, brand new, just, he is this theatrics. And it was, it was just incredible watching this guy work a new bit out. And it was like ready for a new special. Mm. I was like, wow, this guy's got, he's got a writing system down that comedians are going to look at for years. Whoa. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear it. Love yeah. To buy his book. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The War of Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel. There it is. Um, nice. So uh, let me let me ask you this. Let's get down real nitty gritty. Yeah. What is the... Get closer uh, to the mic, please. Um, <laughs> is, is there... Because oh, yeah. we did take a couple questions from our audience. They, they, they submitted, and one of them asked, and you might have got this question before, what is your worst bombing experience? And did that shape you in any way? Can't wait for more. Um... When you start comedy, you start be bomb a lot, right? And then I went through this phase where I've never had a bad set for years. And then I realized that's a bad thing. That is a bad, 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 bad thing. That's not, not good if you're not bomb. You're not challenging. Dude, it. Seinfeld and Chappelle bomb still. Um, Seinfeld? Uh, yes. I don't um, think so, dude. Yeah. I don't yeah. Think so. All those guys bomb still. And, and when, sure. when I say bomb, I mean, it's not the bomb in your head. But Jerry's safe. Jerry's safe. <laughs> Chappelle goes for it. Yeah, yeah, Chappelle more so. He's more of a risk taker, and those specials come out. Um, 
I needed to start bombing more and harder, which meant like, you know, I'm, I'm being myself more or I'm not trying to please them. The hardest bomb I had was, oh, let me think of a couple. I'll think of one right now. This is in Vegas three, four years ago. My dad and his wife came to watch in front of 700 people. Nice. Um, and You made it. Supportive. I, I was just, my brain was off. I had not slept for like a whole day. And I remember getting up going, I don't know what's going to happen. And I just wasn't in the moment. And I just went out there and just like robot repeated my lines and it was, I was bombing it and there was just some rough crowd there drinking, like, you know, just got out of San Quentin, you know, <laughs> not having me. And yeah. it just started getting, I started getting like yelled at and stuff. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it, you know, it, it's one thing to bomb, but it's another to bomb in front of 700 people and your dad. Um, What'd your dad say? Uh, afterwards, it was just You're not my son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was awkward silence after we went out to get a drink for a while and then nobody knew what to say because I, oh, I, I didn't know what to say. I think he just ended up saying, you said fuck a lot. Oh, wow, he didn't even say good job. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I think it was that. No, he couldn't say good job. <laughs> oh, wow. He couldn't even do that. Like, I, I, that would have been rude. <laughs> that would have been rude yeah. to be like, good set, son. I was like, don't be a dick. He's like, we have an opening at the law firm and just in case you want to, yeah. you know, come yeah. back. Well, we're going to sue that crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what we're gonna do. There you go. Um, but how do you deal with a heckler? Like, were they heckling? Oh, I love hecklers. Um, really? Because you have the microphone. I think yeah, yeah, you have the power right at the bat. But I think there's there's multiple ways to deal with it. You know, you, you a lot of times they they have an interesting appearance that you can just go after, uh, or they're at a table with like a, a dude with if the dude's with his date, you're like, oh, you're not getting laid tonight. She's so embarrassed right now. You know, and the audience likes that. A lot of times, like, hot chicks will do it because they think, like, I'm pretty. Like, I like attention, so I'm going to take the attention from you now. And People laugh like, at them all the time. They're yeah, and, you, and that one's tricky because you can't just go be a huge dick about it. Cause then Otherwise, you look, you're not getting laid tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not getting laid under any circumstances, so it doesn't really. Um, yeah, usually they say something, you know, and you can play with it. Um, so... Yeah, you just got to be really sharp and quick in the moment. You know, you don't really have a lot of time to mess around on something like that. But usually they'll say something and you process it. And if you're not, you know, you're like, mm, can't work with that, you go, you repeat what they said. Give yourself another five seconds. Right. Well, what do you do for a living? It, uh, what you it, ever, if somebody says that? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. You would have been eaten up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and when does the comedy start? <laughs> Nice. What so I hope that answered your question, man. Um, we have uh, we have actually two more questions, if you'll indulge us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're here to help young comics, right? Or you're here to hurt them and make sure you have no competition. No, I'm here to tell them not to get into the business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's helping them. <laughs> All right. This is a... Uh, this is a guy who says, I am 17. These are your fans, by the way. I live in the Midwest, and I want to be a comedian. What do they not tell you? Sorry, buddy. What do I need to know? It's a long road. It's a tough business. Um, it pays very little. There's a lot of things about it. You have to love it, okay? It's a labor of love kind of thing. You, you, if you want to be in the Midwest, I wish I knew where you lived, um, but I'm, I'm assuming in some city that is mid-sized. Chardon, Ohio. And the, quest, the question was, what do, I, what do I not know? Well, what do they not tell you? Like, say he listens to all the podcasts or he does as much information as he can. What do they not tell you? 
If you want to really start moving as a stand-up, you got to do. Uh, you got to wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, like if you're going to move to LA, New York, uh, you, uh, you know, whether it's a podcast, an actor, really great with social media. Um, us, us, us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's anything off the top of my head that they they don't tell you. Um, but you know, you're getting in entertainment. You know, there's going to be a lot of politics. You know, it's going to be a lot of hard work. There's going to be a lot of unfair hands that you're dealt. Um, and I think it's uh, what they don't tell you is you have to be a lot more than just funny and to be a good comedian. You got to be an actor. You got to be a networker. You 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 can't don't really have you don't want to have weak points. You know, unless you are a an absolute prodigy and a genius. You know what I mean. Um, if you're a Dave Chappelle or something, otherwise you're going to have to be good in a lot of different things. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to be an Oscar winner, but you know, it really helps to be a good actor. So to, you can piggyback off of that. How do you think that, I mean, I met you a couple of years ago and even from then till now, things have changed a lot. Uh, how has comedy shifted in 2019? Like what is the, what's the game now? Um, well, two things. I mean, obviously like what political correctness is you can't jerk off in front of the female. yes you can't jerk off in front of your openers anymore you know yeah thanks louis uh, yeah. thanks kevin hart <laughs> <laughs> no. um <clears throat> what's changed is i i think more so in the last five years or plus it's not a game of you have to please the gatekeeper you have control it's the entrepreneurial age right you have control over your career so you can build your own path and following now as opposed to having to wait around with some casting director to like you yeah. you have the power so i have friends who just said hey man i'm gonna make these funny videos for my instagram and and really blew up and now everyone wants to mess with them and they get you know they get uh signed by agencies and and what's their instagram if our audience wants to check it out uh i can't it's I don't just know exactly. his instagram today yeah, <laughs> yeah. aggressive and, um my buddy yeah uh, one of my buddies trevor wallace was a good example okay. of a guy who didn't wait around on anybody he just started making these really funny videos and then now he's selling out comedy clubs and i think he's you know he's probably signed with a big agency and um that's gonna lead to stuff that's gonna lead to a tv sure. show or that's gonna lead to the big league type stuff but um yeah, like you, you don't have to sit around and wait. Back in the day, it was just you hoped to God you could get on with Johnny Carson, mm. and that was it. He was the gatekeeper. Yeah. Now it's like there's a million ways to do it, which makes it that much more complicated. Now it's Joe Rogan, right? That's the Joe Rogan's great, you know. But it used to also be if you got on Howard Stern, man, oh, that yeah. was big. And oh, now yeah. he's the new Howard Stern. You got on Joe Rogan, people are like, I bet you a lot of people would come out to see you at comedy clubs if if they heard you on oh, Joe Rogan, yeah. you know. Theo Vaughn talks about his audience exploded after Joe Rogan had him on, you know, back to back in six weeks or whatever. Exploded. I mean, yeah, yeah you think about that, you know, when Theo Vaughn's probably tripled his income now. Yeah. Well, wait till you uh, feel the surviving Hollywood effect. <laughs> That's the name of our podcast. If you lose some followers, we understand. Uh, <laughs> That's totally understandable. Yeah. Is the end game for you specifically, like, would you love a TV show? Like, would you love. Yeah. I, and for me, um, family. There's two TV shows I had in mind that I would like that I, I, I'll end up writing and until, yeah, <laughs> until eventually someone could pick it up, um, produce it. But you remember um, No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain. Imagine that yeah. show. Similar format. Instead, of, like, you go to a country, you show the history of a host of the country. But instead of another chef and it being based around culinary of that country and culture, it's based around whoever's the host going around, showing me around, is a comedian of that country, and it gets to showcase them. 
Um, instead of we're going to the kitchen, um, you know, we're we're going. I'm going almost like Seinfeld. I'm going to do stand up. We're going to show clips of me doing stand up. So I'm going and learning this culture and hoping everything I learned that day I can apply and make these people laugh in this this country. It's it's the thrill of it. That sounds the fear. cool. Um, yeah, I'd watch it too. Yeah. So it's but it's not a real funny hacky format. It's yeah. real and organic. It's organic just like. You look at Bourdain, man, there was a lot of humor in that show. It was very organic, though. It wasn't, like, pushed. It was sharp. It was witty. It was a serious tone. I want the show to have a serious tone. And the idea is I go country to country and on this ultimate journey of what makes the world laugh, what makes all of us, what's the common through line that makes people laugh in the Philippines or Russia or, you know, Argentina? What, what What is the human condition, essentially? And then second show is... I love character acting, and I love these shows like Summer Heights High or Little Britain. Um, Summer Heights High, you've seen it? Or Come Fly it. With it's Me. Funny. These uh, Tracy Allman, they, these incredible character actors mm. that play like 10 different characters or yeah. three different characters. Uh, Meet and, the Clumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you mean, uh, yeah? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, th- those are two ideas would be the dream, but it would really nice. be touring around... Uh, to pump out three or four solid works, uh, an hour works, to be like, these are these are albums that yeah. I'm proud of. Nice, dude. Is there uh, anything off-limits? Is there anything taboo that comedians shouldn't joke about, or is everything fair game? I mean, you know, times have changed in the last five, six years a lot. So no one can tell you you can't go up there and make a rape joke or a sexist joke or a... Uh, a racist joke. No one will tell you, but people cannot laugh at you, and people can tell other people don't that support should, this guy's work. Should be racial jokes, right? You know, yeah, there. You know what I mean. So, um, I, I in, but a lot of comedians will tell you, hey, if it's a really good joke and the writing's there, then you can do whatever you want. A lot of people will tell you that, but here's an idea: let's not laugh about it. Let's just hide it deep down in society, and then you know the comedians will never bring it up. That sounds like a good solution. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, and I don't think that. Like for me, I don't do any sexist jokes. I'm not sexist just because it's just off mic. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, you guys, thank God for editing. <laughs> yeah. Now I, you know, I don't go there because when my my goal on stage is to, I'm not one of those guys that's like I'm just gonna go up there and have a good time tonight. I'm not like that. I'm I'm too, uh, I'm I'm wired. You know, too dip. I'm my job when I go on stage to me is to go up there and blow the roof off the place. That's when I every I put that pressure on myself every time. In order to do that, to have the best possible set. I need to get the most amount of people in the room laughing at me. I want every person to laugh. And if I'm alienated, alienating any group, whether it's mm. women or a certain race or gay, I'm not doing my best job. So I push the edge. I make a lot of jokes. I, I, I toe that line. Man. I make people a little bit on edge, but then like, okay. But if you watch my full set, you'd know I'm like pro-gay, I'm pro-woman, I'm pro, I'm pro-everybody pretty much. Um, and so as are we as are we yeah 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 so um i think um everybody's different but for me i want everyone in the room on the same page and you can't do that here's what sometimes women be shopping though you know sometimes they be shopping sometimes my 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 um my capital one card be not liking that (laughs) um you know here's one thing that's so stupid if i were to give any advice to a young comedian um 
And a lot of male comedians do this shit at open mics that are new. You go up there and tell sexist jokes. I was gonna say, Jesus Christ. And yeah. it's annoying. Even as a guy, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, dude, get an act. Like, this isn't even funny. Um, uh, to any young comedian, I'll tell you this. This is some science behind this. Um, think about a couple things here when you're going up there being sexist. In any given crowd, half your audience probably is female. So you're alienating half the audience, one. And two, uh, science proves women laugh less but louder and then vice versa. So if you want those big, booming laughs and applause breaks, the ones that make you reconsider your suicide, um, <laughs> those ones get the women on board. Like Chris D'Elia and Dane Cook, and there's a handful of guys that have made a very good living and who's buying tickets to those Chris D'Elia shows? Mm. Women, man, chicks. Yeah. Five thousand seaters now. Yeah. Those are chicks buying, you know, chicks tickets, love dude. Chris and they're yeah. bringing their boyfriends along. So you got to get. And I, I, when I, when I learned that, not that I was ever really writing sexist jokes, it was like, and, and I would never really pander. But I did write a joke one time. It was just a joke that came about. It was it's it's about slut shaming and why we should stop doing it and we should be pro women having sex. It's all about that. And women will come up after a lot and really like that joke, but I started hearing a different type of laughter mm. when I started telling that joke. I was like, oh, I can hear that frequency now. All the women are on board. It's this big, booming laughter, this whole new energy. I might just tapped into a whole new level of laughter right there. I'm not necessarily any different. You're I'm not a, necessarily a better comedian. I've just tapped into the science of females laughing and really honestly like if you want to just murder you got to get women on board and and a lot of a lot of women are in, you know in power you know casting agents and people you know you get up there and you piss off some casting agent or some booker you look at Mitzi Shore you know the the comedy store the godmother of the comedy store female right you look at um all the the people running the improv the talent agents all women man yeah like if if I could tell anything to a new comic, man, think twice about being sexist because that is literally only going to hurt you, hold you back. And if anything, you know, you piss off the wrong club owner or the wrong female, like you're you're out. You won't have a chance. You know, let's just say a club owner was a you know a female and she was raped, and you went up there and did some rape jokes. Like you're never going to work this club. Well, you can do a rape joke and still be pro women, right? <laughs> it's harder it's, it's harder challenging yeah so i would say if, if you're a new comic man just i'm not saying don't be yourself but right. if yourself is a sexist guy re <laughs> rethink who you are and how you view the world is what i'm going to say before you get issues. up there i didn't yeah, realize that was a huge problem new comics being sexist oh boy and all they talk about masturbating yeah. it's like dude write a fucking joke Take dick jokes <laughs> write a joke you know and you get yeah. to my level be writing jokes about how you can't afford a lawyer and your dad is your lawyer there you, you know go. when you get to the big league now <laughs> but that, a lot of it's all like a calibration like over years you've kind of gone through all this like figuring it out right i mean because like a lot of new Try guys are, i'm not gonna know you you, right? you think as it, throughout the years of doing comedy you just you, you constantly question yeah. yourself like am i doing this wrong I, I think i've been doing this inefficiently i don't think nope you, you it's just trial and error like anybody else you just you just keep failing and failing you you might succeed this one or that one fail you just keep failing and and the idea is that i you're slowly getting better it's a stock market graph it's you know up and down but ideally it's going upwards and there's weeks where i'm like which i think this is a waste of my time then there's weeks I'm like no 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 this is this is a great idea so you know you there's it's not like you can go to a conservatory or you read something online or you can read books or take classes but those are all a bunch of bullshit anybody that's new trying to think about it it is a load of bullshit anybody that teaches a comedy class sucks at comedy <laughs> um 
you can only stand up's an art form you only learn through trial and error and and it's a labor of love i mean you just have to it's got to be in your blood if you want to keep doing it over the years you know i just went to edinburgh the comedy festival last year and i'm going again this year okay. that's a great place for anybody to go yeah. if you want to get better and learn about comedy and immerse the idea of going there for me was like if you want to learn another language go to that country and immerse yourself there's no better way to immerse yourself in comedy than going mm. to it even if you're not into comedy theater just traveling oh my yeah. god the edinburgh comedy festival is is the coolest thing i've ever been to in my life nice yeah very nice any other audience questions we covered every single audience question were you going to ask those current events oh, oh right yeah john johnny said that um he told us that he was getting his uh comedian friend on so he said prepare a really good question so i was just thinking about this all <laughs> night um uh, where do you get your ideas <laughs> okay I'm just kidding okay. it's from the norm mcdonald podcast <laughs> okay i bet you there's a podcast where do you get your ideas who was it that yeah did you see the norm who was it that somebody uh norm mcdonald adam egot yeah adam who's like the who's the talent coordinator at yeah, the comedy know. store We're did you fans. see that episode who was that yeah who was that, who was that actor with the adam asked that guy where do you well, get it was, your, uh, that's what I mean, yeah, uh, he does it to every guy well, who's the, the, the first one <laughs> was mcdonald put him up to that bit the first okay one was, i only saw that clip i didn't know it was a thing they did <laughs> yeah. that guy got so mad well no it was bob oh, it was bob, uh, bob uh, einstein Yes, Osborne, yes. Baba. Yeah, Bonds. God, that was oh. funny, dude. Yeah, yeah. that was. So... He, did, he did the same thing to Adam Sandler and everybody and the, all the guests. Bill Hader. So oh, yes, that's hilarious. Some, some of them think he's serious and try and answer the question, but others <laughs> just laugh and be like, "Oh, come on, dude." <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know it was a bit they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did have a few questions because you know this podcast. It's more than just a podcast between friends. This is, is also. <laughs> it's also, a romance there's a romance going on right here it's also a between pro lovers a product of its time so i just was hoping to ask you a few current event based questions then you can say as much or as little as you want um since you're a comedian and come up with points of views maybe you'll actually have something to say you know as opposed to the actors we get on who just go oh yeah i don't really know uh, okay so uh, what do you think about build the wall well statistics show uh, I think it's I think it's a dumb idea because statistics will show how that's not going to solve problems. First off, there's a circulation. If you're anti-immigrant, there's a circulation of immigrants coming in and out. So uh, if you build that wall, then your problem doesn't solve. You don't solve the problem because there that circulation stops. You trap so you them keep, in. You trap them in. So your numbers aren't actually going to go down. Um, and second, um, you build that wall, they're going to come through Florida and the, and the Gulf Coast. Um, it just got 10 feet and bigger, also, And also a, a, a large percentage of illegal immigrants come by plane. So um, I don't think just looking at it from st a statistic objective standpoint, even if I were anti-immigrant, just looking at the stats, I'd be like, well, this is a dumb idea because this isn't going isn't gonna to work. I mean, um, you know... It, the only time it worked was to keep the Mongolians out, and and if if we do have Mongolians trying to you know uh, trying to attack our children, um, then we might need to build that wall. You know, if if the Mongolians start becoming an issue war. again, yeah, of war. yeah, that that's where they are for. <laughs> that's where it comes in. Yeah, cool, cool. What about Bitcoin, man? What do you think about Bitcoin? I have a friend who's a financial advisor. She's very certified. I asked her about this. She said. Don't invest in Bitcoin or Stellar Lumen, whatever the hell, all these other Bitcoins. She said, invest in blockchain technology because the market's too volatile. You don't know what's going to happen. I had all these friends buying crypto and not really know what the hell. Well, so my friend Bill told me to do it, and Bill's smart. Bill went, you know, Bill went to Northwestern. Um, 
I, and she gave good advice. She said, you don't know it's a roll of the dice, but if you invest in blockchain, which will grow, um, that's a smarter move. It's probably a safer move. Um, so what? how do you invest? Like, what are you looking smart? at any companies? Or? No, because my uh, my rent and bills don't uh, right. allow me to have anything left over and then taxes and crap like that. But um, things change, and I think blockchain technology is going to be the future in general, not necessarily one cryptocurrency to invest in but blockchain yeah i'm more in the camp of uh, bitcoin not blockchain but i'm no financial advisor well bitcoin is part of blockchain technology i know but i'm saying it is bitcoin rather than just generally blockchain oh okay yeah yeah but, uh, anyway what do you think about the new aladdin movie <laughs> i don't i just keep seeing memes <laughs> it's a great transition see, dude. <laughs> i keep seeing memes with like will smith looking creepy it says live action. I don't know much about it. I just see like Will Smith's face as the genie, and he looks. I, all I can think of is like kind of looks out of shape for Will Smith. I'm like, what is this dude? Is you know you the sleeveless? Can't be young forever. No, but I mean that guy's pretty ageless. I mean he's 85, dude. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he's actually older than Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Did they consider Jaden when they were casting? Man, they should have Robin. Williams I heard it makes it. appearance in the movie actually. Yeah. What? Yeah. I did like how Robin Williams did have that dirty line in Aladdin. You remember? Which dirty line? It was like you had to find the scene if you watch it on YouTube, and it's like kind of quiet. He goes, good little girls and boys take their clothes off. That's not Robin Williams. That was like the tiger, wasn't it? I thought it was Robin the Williams. The tiger doesn't talk. Said. But it was, it, was a, it was a tiger, Jasmine, Aladdin scene. I don't think the genie was in that one. No, he wasn't in the scene, but I think it was Robin Williams' voice. I could be wrong. Oh, maybe, because he did a lot of voices. <laughs> I, I, I've never heard that. That sounds like something he would say. <laughs> he did the voice of the tiger, which didn't ever spoke. It's on Snopes. I've looked it up before. Oh, but okay. uh, um, do you think Will Smith will be rapping Never Had a Friend Like Me? I hope. Yeah, <laughs> dude, me too. I would love that. <laughs> Can only dream. Uh, dude, what, what do you think about global warming, climate change? Is that, <clears throat> is that... It's definitely real. Oh, Everyone God, in and LA. I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, I'm from fucking Oklahoma, where people still be like, it's it, the Chinese made it up. It's not real. It, 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 listen, we were worried about global cooling 40 years ago. I'm like, oh, that's, that's the worst fucking argument. I'm like, gee, how many, how many of your Coca-Cola polar bears do you need to starve to death? Like, what, what proof do you need? Majority of the global uh, <clears throat> climate change scientists agree. Like, what do you? And the ones that don't are being paid off. So. Um, the the facts are there the, the the tsunami it's it's so ironic how the people that don't believe the the rednecks in the south that don't believe in it are the ones that are getting their houses destroyed by the floods that are caused by their consumerism um well, that's god yeah well that's god because <laughs> there are too many guys in miami we know that's <laughs> what's going on we know chicho down there is going to get drowned because he's been sick anyway um <clears throat> yeah it's real and the question is um it, what do you do? Global cooling. Yep. Oh, I never thought of that. That's a, that's a good answer. Yep, global cooling. Yep, pump some, pump some stuff out into the uh, ozone that blocks the uh, sun, and we don't get as much sunlight. cools everything down. Oh, and then you can sense. put a Coors Light just about anywhere, and it'll turn blue. <laughs> Actually, the correct answer was the Chinese caused it. But, yeah, uh, well, I mean, I mean, we did mention, we did touch on <laughs> that's that. That's true, we did touch on <laughs> that. Chinese did cause global warming. Oh, yeah. But speaking of that... And um, cows. We've got to stop eating so much damn beef. I want to read another article about that. But it tastes look, so good. Look, I, I mean, actually, the I'm Impossible vegan, Burger's so not good. that bad, guys. I eat it all the time. It's these good. guys, these guys are. Vegans. Actually, we had one at Fat Burger the other day, and we all ended up getting really sick. All got we were all puking. 
But I've had an Impossible it was, Burger. It was because of that one. Location. Fat Burger is every single one of them is just the people there is just look like they dropped out of the second grade. It's just <laughs> it's oh, dire. It's dire. Dude, I used it's to work dire, there. Dude, it's I'm dire. There, like whoever, like that's just going under. That company's going under. I don't know what happened, but management is just not. <laughs> It's bad. How's it it's, different from any other fast food place? A lot of fast food chains are run well. In and out. Yeah, and I've never been to In and Out. Family owned. Yeah, and that's a Christian company. Do you know that? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Chick Fil A, and it's they will not. They're they're privately owned, which is what you know. McDonald's or somebody has put a oh, yeah. fat offer on In and Out, and they haven't sold yeah. out. Like we're talking about, like I don't know, like twenty billion dollars for In and Out. That was my first job when I was sixteen, and I was getting paid like. Nine, ten bucks an hour, and I'm like, "What? This is crazy." Yeah, they At pay their time, employees like, well. Wow, I was getting paid so good. Yeah, there's a good energy in there. Whereas every time I go to a fat burger, it's like cockroaches on the floor, and they're like, "What do you want?" And nobody wants to be there, and everyone's just smoking meth in the back. <laughs> that I sold to them, but nice. <laughs> Oklahoma, Oklahoma, you know, <laughs> you know, I love when people go after the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have to bring our city into it. And like, why? What's wrong? You guys with that? have high teen and you know, pre- high female uh, incarceration yeah. and meth use. Yeah. I'm like, all right, dude, just talk about basketball. That sounds like Arizona. So Arizona's not same. much different. They hate, yeah, they hate Mexicans. They love their meth. <laughs> that's basically it. But they love Mexican food, though. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Mexicans? they don't know good yeah. Mexican food. That's right. I got yeah. one for you, Louis C.K. Just you're gonna just throw Louis C.K. out there. That's he's touring again. Thoughts. He's touring. I've okay. seen his. Um, he's fit. touring Europe. Um, here's the thing about Louis. Uh, to, to paint him with the same brush as someone who'd raped multiple women <laughs> is a, is a little different. Um, what he did was wrong, he, and he did need to be punished, and still, in some, in many ways, does need to be punished. Um, can and will he come back? I think he will. Um, and he's been on stage addressing, opening up, like, yeah, I did this thing instead of just hiding behind it. Um, what he did was wrong. He, you know, it, more importantly, he was abusing power. And what he did was just, he was sexually assaulted women. And, and under no circumstances, what he did. Uh, Is it assault if he didn't touch him? In some way. It's, it's, an, it's some an assault emotionally. Like a harassment. Um, but, but he, you know, to say a guy that asks these women, can I jerk off in front of you? And they shook their head against their own will is a little different than raping a woman. N- under no circumstances can any of this be justified. It's horrible what he did. Um, can he use? Can he use his power to be like, I want to make an example of myself and what I did was really wrong. And I want to make an example of myself to where hopefully I can inspire other comedians not to do this and use his fame in a good way. And make a comeback in that way for the right reasons. Um, I'd like to see something like that, not just come back and shove it under the rug, like you know, and just us forget about it. Whatever he did that back in the day, kind of like we did with Woody Allen and a lot of other people that did some weird shit. We just shoved it under the rug. I don't. I think he needs to address it and make an example of himself to where hopefully he can make a positive impact and make a comeback that way. Be like I, you know, I screwed up and uh, I, what I did was wrong, and I want to. I want not only to make things right, I want to do it in the right way to where I can inspire other young, because he still has a big influence over other young comedians. Like, stop doing piece of shit jokes and being a piece of shit. I used to be that my whole life. Stop doing that, you know, and and hopefully get someone to think twice if they're going to consider doing something shitty to a, a female comedian or a female for that matter. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Uh, hopefully you could take it and use it for something good. Mm. good. True. Hey, appreciate you having on the podcast, man. Oh, thank you, guys. Plugs, where can we find you? 
Um, and you got any shows yeah, coming up? Yeah, Hollywood Improv, 10 p.m. next Tuesday. Uh, it's not going to be out by then. April, okay, that's three, fair. Three weeks from now, three weeks. <laughs> three weeks? <laughs> what do I have? Um, Just link your Instagram. I, I'm at Griff Pippin, G-R-I-F-F-P-I-P-P-I-N, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Griff Pippin, cool. find me, and I will send you... Uh, content uh, that I will make personally for you. If you want to make a pancake, a video of it, I will send it to you. And comment below saying, hey, I found you on Surviving Hollywood Podcast, so he knows. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then you get half-off tickets to uh, Johnny's Theater Shows. Oh. <laughs> Only if you're headlining, bro. <laughs> oh. <laughs> see you backstage, buddy. Yeah, see you in that green room. Love it, dude. Uh, dude, thanks for coming, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This Great is, meeting uh, you. This is fun. I, I feel like a dick that I didn't let you guys talk enough. <laughs> oh, they've heard us enough. They've heard us <laughs> enough. Yeah, they're, they're here to see you, man. Here to see you. Hey, guys. There you go. Thanks for tuning in, guys. That was our last episode of Surviving Hollywood. Ever. What? I'm just kidding. I just want to get it right. <laughs> what do you mean? I, uh, I ended it. <laughs> I know. I don't like, that was so bad. Too. We're not doing this anymore. And that's a mic drop moment. No, thanks, guys, for tuning in. See you guys next time.